0: That would be a waste of time. Give
1: me all you got! Give me all you got! Then put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your good morning, Missouri, fucking wake-up broadcast, bitch?
0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Keep Streaming Buddy, a podcast about movies, music, life and everything in between. I am your host, singer and rock star extraordinaire Carl Coleman. Why am I doing a podcast? Because I'm a capitalist piece of shit, I love movies, I love talking to interesting inspiring people, and you know, it felt like the right time to start a goddamn podcast. So there you have it. Now, let's get into the show. The first episode is pretty exciting, i got to say. Well, I'm going to speak to an acclaimed Australian actor and a friend of mine named Daniel Henschel. Some of you would know him. Some of you may have seen him in films and not even known it. He's extremely talented. He's been in critically acclaimed films such as Okja, The Babadook, Acute Misfortune, Snowtown, which launched his career, which we'll talk about a little bit probably so i really look forward to the chat uh i'm also going to talk about the mandalorian and david finch's new film mank and a couple other things as well and maybe even something to do with keanu reeves johnny utah ohio state Buckeyes, guys all conference remember number
1: nine man how you doing
0: (laughs) now i want to talk to you about a couple of things that i've been seeing and been watching lately the first thing is mandalorian i Drank the Disney Kool Aid. I signed up. I gave him my 60 kroner a month and I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. So I've got another platform to add to my bills. And, you know, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I'm like you, I'm just another consumer drinking the. Di- and Disney feels even more dirty, I have to say, because it's just, you know, full of frozen and weird fairy tales that just keep regurgitating the same story and just flicking the switch and I don't know there's something a bit dark about it so but I really wanted to see what all the fuss was about with this Mandalorian show and I'm not even that much of a Star Wars dude to be honest as a kid I was way more into Batman stuff like that but you know I had I had a little bit of a soft spot for sci-fi stuff so signed up started watching and I don't know, it just hooked me right in. I I uh, it, I could find that it was actually a show for the first time in a long time, where I was actually waiting each week for the new episode. So I don't know what that tells you. Maybe that's more more brainwashing, but there's something obviously extremely hammy about Star Wars, and there always has been. Uh, and but then there's also this production value and all these quirky characters and what was so interesting about what is so interesting about Mandalorian is it's so it's a western it's essentially a western set in space and it's directed it's written and directed by Jon Favreau who he's an interesting dude cuz he kind of started out as like this indie director in the 90s you know he made swingers with Vince Vaughn and then he kind of, um, he's done a bunch of acting, he's really funny, and then he sort of reinvented himself as like this special effects wizard, and he made like Iron Man, which helped kind of launch the whole Marvel Empire, and now he's, you know, he was sort of the perfect man for the job. So, anyway, he's obviously a Star Wars fan, and he ended up writing this pretty brilliant <laughs> series, I have to say, because the whole idea, it's so simple, but using Mando, uh, this this Western theme with, within this Mandalorian story, I think was just super clever because, yeah, he's a bounty hunter. What do bounty hunters do? They go from bar to bar and they look for work and they get their cash and they keep moving on. So I've just been really having a lot of fun with this show, I have to say, and it looks amazing. The other thing that's really cool about this show is the theme music. Da, 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 da. I don't know. I, I walk around just th- humming and singing this thing all the time. It's it's one of those shows where you actually sit and listen to the theme at the end of each episode because it's so great. Swedish composer Ludwig Jørgensen, he's just totally nailed it here because he, he pays tribute to the John Williams, like the classic John Williams Star Wars theme, but he does his own thing to it. He's got the, sort of this morricone thing coming through as well with the whole you know western vibe and he's just completely nailed it and he's a bit of a freak in his own right actually i think he's won academy awards and he's produced like heaps of famous hip-hop and stuff like that so he's pretty brilliant so mandalorian look i'm not gonna sit here and tell tell you about the actors and the cast and the storyline because it's it is a star wars show you know there's not much to it just watch it and eat some popcorn and Sit back. It's The other thing that's really cool about it is forty 45 minutes. You know, it's it doesn't demand that much of you. We don't have a whole lot of attention span left in us anymore, do we, people? So I like that vibe. I like this short format episodes. So check out Mando if you want. I don't know. Maybe you don't want. I thought it was really cool. I've been enjoying it. There's two seasons out now. There's going to be a third season next year. So then I was fishing around within this Disney platform because I must admit, now that Mando's finished, I'm sort of like, eh, maybe I'll delete it. You know, maybe I'll kill my subscription. But I was fishing around. There's like this kind of nostalgia section, 90s section. And, you know, being a 90s kid, I thought, oh, well, this is fun. And there's some pretty, I must admit, there's like all sorts of stuff in there where you're like, whoa, I remember this and all that shit. And I stumbled across Return to Oz which is I think it's from the 80s actually 85 or something and it's um it's a, it's an unofficial sequel to The Wizard of Oz and it's the most psychedelic thing you'll ever see it's really disturbing in some weird way um, and the characters are all different and Dorothy's you know like a little girl opposed to Judy Garland so this dude Walter Merck he wrote and directed it he actually worked on like crazy classics like apocalypse now the godfather american graffiti the conversation yeah so he wrote and directed it it was based on the original like oz books and i don't know man i remember watching this as a kid it was one of those films you know my sisters and i still talked about it there's these characters in it called the wheelers they're scary as fuck they took they're one of those things that just sort of like stained your childhood like freddy krueger or something and it was probably one of those situations where you know your parents are off out in the back drinking and partying, and they're like, "Yeah, just go do your thing, kids. Whatever, go watch Freddy Krueger." And then you're just in the back living room watching something super disturbing and traumatic. And that's how it happened in the '80s. You know, that's how it went down. They didn't really give a shit what you were watching. <laughs> it's kind of wild. I still remember the kid who showed me Freddy Krueger. I must have been like 8 or something. His name was Sloan Peppy. What a prick. He was he was way older than me, and he was like, "Yeah, come watch Freddy." I'm like, "Fucking hell." I wasn't the same dude for 3 months. Anyway, I'm I was talking about Return to Oz. It's worth a look, I must say. If you've got some I don't know, mates around one night and you got a little weed or something, it's a trip. Like the characters are, she hangs out with TikTok, Jack, Pumpkinhead and Princess Ozma. And, you know, they're they're off to fight the villainous Gnome King. (laughs) It's a trip. And anyway, I found myself watching it again. And it was, it really was, it was a nice experience and pretty scary as well. And the wheel is still scared the piss out of me. (sighs) Worth a look. Later on, I went on to watch Mank, the new David Fincher film. Now, I thought it was great. I thought Fincher doing a noir, throwback, retro, you know, ode to Hollywood thing. I thought it worked beautifully. And I thought it was a nice curveball from him, actually. We all know that Fincher, um, he likes to wrong foot, you know, his audience a bit. He, he throws it around. He's... F- previous film before this was Gone Girl which I thought was brilliant as well but that's way more modern it's way more intense and you know one of these really great modern thrillers and then he just does this kind of chilled out throwback Citizen Kane his dad wrote the script i thought that was fascinating as well and kind of beautiful his late dad wrote this script about um Herman Mankiewicz and him writing uh Citizen Kane along with Orson Wells, so he obviously finally got around to making his dad's film, which is kind of cool, and you know, I won't spoil too much, but yeah, Gary Oldman, unbelievable, beautiful performance, he is funny as, and because originally, like the, the actual dude Herman Mankiewicz, um, apparently, I did a little reading into it, He he was sort of known as like maybe the funniest man in New York at one point, I think in the 40s, and he was so charismatic. He was an alcoholic, but he was obviously a super talent when it came to screenwriting. And uh, apropos Return to Oz, Herman Mankiewicz actually wrote the, the, whole, the entire Kansas scene of the original Wizard of Oz. And it was his idea to start that scene in black and white and hold back the, the color the change of color when Dorothy goes to Munchkinland. Like this guy was pretty innovative, you know, he was a real visionary. And it was also his idea to make the Kansas section of the film, you know, a lot longer than what the, I think it was MGM or one of whatever studio it was, a lot longer than they originally planned because he wanted to show Dorothy as a person. He wanted to show the audience something to relate to and them her and her family on the farm in Kansas, so he was just a really clever dude, that's one example, um, and they don't even really touch on that stuff in Mank, uh, it's more about the Citizen Kane script and, and things like that, so I I really rate this movie, I think Finch is really interesting, I think he's obviously, <laughs> he likes to throw us a really shit film now and then, <laughs> Um, you know. Benjamin Button comes to mind. And of course, the music's amazing as well because you've got Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross who I think this is their fourth. This is the fourth time they've worked with, with um, But it's them doing like 20 swing jazz and it's just kind of wild to to think that Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails is making 20 swing music nowadays. And it's ma amaz- It's beautiful stuff. Well, I'm going to give you my talk with daniel henschel now and enjoy because this dude's got a lot of interesting things to say about acting about life and something pretty special happens about halfway through our talk so enjoy
1: how you doing i'm good i'm good i just (laughs) um yes mate i just went and saw nomadland it was beautiful Absolutely um, beautiful. I mean, um, I cried
0: in the um, trailer, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of very poignant moments that definitely pull on the heartstrings. And it's just so nice to be back inside a cinema with a bunch of strangers in the dark, watching a story on a big screen. It's a yeah. beautiful thing. I forgot how much I missed it. Well, it's um, funny because yeah.
0: even with COVID, like let alone COVID showing up, Obviously, the uh, the the era of streaming is upon us. So there's there's already mm. rarely people sitting in cinemas anyway. So just to hear you mm. romanticising about that, and I'm definitely someone that likes to sit in cinemas too. Oh, it's
1: real. I mean, yeah. I don't even know if it's there is that sentimentality and that tradition and that um, that that sort of personal narrative of going to a cinema for the first time and that living that living with you every time you sit sit in a cinema and experience a uh, film in that way. But, but, um, yeah, I mean, it just felt it's just such a nice thing to do with in a quiet but relative quiet space, except for the noise coming from the, the speakers. Yeah. Well, so, it's funny. Cause yeah,
0: I, s- I showed the trailer to Emily as well, my wife and uh, she started crying too. <laughs> so I was almost like, I don't know Em-Lan. if I can see this. <laughs>
1: No, it's, it's a good, yeah. it's, it's a good cathartic cry. It's a definitely yeah, of course. a rejoicing in people's lonely and grief. I know that mm. doesn't sound very uplifting, but it does make you feel very included because we all feel some sense of isolation and you know, this this the, the main character has had quite a lot of loss in her recent. Okay. Oh, she's had quite a lot of loss all, all most of her life, but, in some shape or form, whether it be emotional or, or, or relationship wise, but she, yeah, I won't say too much, yeah, but yeah. yeah. She just, yeah. And she's the perfect candidate. I
0: know cause she to portray that. Like Dorman is someone that you watch where you don't, you, you don't really see an actress. You just see someone that's real immediately. Uh, if you know. What Very I mean. much
1: so in this film, a hundred percent. She's yeah. also an amazing and an amazing technician but particularly in this film it it is a vehicle for her to allow like the you can see how in step she is with the character and
0: the director's Mm. vision. Um, When you say technician, is that, what do you
1: mean by that? Is that sort of actor? I mean, there is some, (laughs) no, not really. I mean, it's the same for you as a musician I would would expect, you know, at times you rely on your tricks and I don't mean tricks as in you've got a bag of mystical, uh, Um, potions and and secrets and whatnot it's just that you rely on your technique honed from years and years of practice whether in front of the camera or on stage in front of an audience or in a recording studio or just Mm. with your fellow musicians that you create your work from or with Um, but you know there is some shows or movies that she's in where she's required to be a character in a genre piece, and that and so, so it lies some less naturalistic performance, yeah. Um, and she's clued on to what story she's telling, what genre she's in, who's directing it, what's the vision. Um, and so she buries her techniques so far down in some films that you don't see the difference. But, mm-hmm. um, that's interesting. From yeah, yeah, and just like I think you know, I would assume for you, and please call me out if I'm wrong. If I'm, <laughs> speaking out of school here but i would assume for you that there are some shows that aren't as connected but the audience has no idea but you've relied on your years and years of live performance experience
0: yeah and i was going to touch on that later actually but yeah it's what we i guess you sort of just call survival mode um and i talk about that often with with my bandmates when you're having an off night or if the sound's a bit rough and you sort of exactly there's this base of experience and the work or the craft that you just sort of lean on and just go okay i'm just gonna fall back on on this and hang the hell in there and do the best i can
1: yeah yeah which which pulls you to the present you know because that's true it's not flowing as freely and it feels like much more you know it feels like it feels like hard work right and you're not living necessarily in the moment but the more in tune you are and the more practiced you are, it's so, it, it may even produce more. Oh, I don't want to sound like a wanker, but more present work, you know? Yeah. Um, cause you're really hitting that note. You're not just sort of free falling through it. Um, and the technique and the availability to connect to for me, say an emotion or a thought process or an idea, Mm. or an intention um, is so ingrained in what I'm doing because I'm trying so hard to do it because it feels like I have to work the craft so much.
0: Right, right. And
1: some days I feel like I'm very much just in it and I'm giving it and I look back at the footage or the playback or whatever, I see the edit and I'm like, fuck, I was not in that at all. And it's a lot more interesting, uh, the work that I was doing when I was pushing harder. Not always Mm. the case. Not always the
0: case. But it's an issue. It's a good point because it sort of flips something that might be a bit negative into a positive as well. Like just for me personally, I can take from that, that, Hey, this is, I got to fight for this now. So this might be even better in that moment. Um, you know, if it's, yeah. If,
1: and that's the thing, I think the more that you do it, the, the, the more confident you become at doing it, but the more runs you have on the board. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the more runs you have on the board, the more experience you have, the more you see it working. Um, it, it allows you to trust in that technique so I guess that's what I mean by she's an amazing technician, and mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a negative turn because some people might say, "Oh, she's just a good, good technician, and there's nothing, there's nothing behind sure, behind sure. those no, eyes or, really, or, or in her performance." No, she's a powerhouse. She is. She is. Fran, Fran McDormand is. Yeah, I better of see that. I'm glad you went. To most see exceptional actors out. Yes. Obviously,
0: it is well documented uh, that you, I guess, got your sort of launched your career or got your break in um, Justin Kersel's Snowtown. And I know, um, you know, you've talked about this film. I think this film follows you around quite a lot. I imagine. Um, For those of you who don't know, it came out 2011. It's about John Bunting, who was one of Australia's worst serial killers, a uh, scary, hideous, awful man. Um, And Dan played the role of John Bunting in this pretty incredible Disturbing and incredible Australian film called Snowtown. Um, now, I just wanted—we don't have to talk about it too much because I know, yeah, I know, I understand that All you're probably good, talking mate. about All this good. film a lot, but um, it's been a while, know. actually. I mean, okay. people will
1: talk about it in passing uh, if they've seen it or have come across it, but um, I haven't talked in, in at length or in, in depth about it for some time, so.
0: Well, it it definitely left a mark on me as, as many other viewers. Um, Mm. and then I didn't know you at that point when I'd seen the film, which which is also interesting. Um, and then, you know, obviously you, you, you play, you know, a psychopath, a murderer. Um, Mm-hmm. Now I've read I've read that some people get disappointed, perhaps you know, when they meet you and and, and that you're not a creepy yeah. psycho, and that's interesting <laughs> to me. Because, because, you know, and I've read maybe that some other actors as well that people that you were were slightly intimidated and perhaps a little trepidatious about meeting you or working with you, and it wasn't the case for me at all because I was delighted and relieved, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that you weren't this man and you were actually yeah. just a lovely, you know, positive, warm person. Um, Thanks, so does, yeah. does, does the film and your role as, as John Bunting ever, like, does it follow you around in a negative way or are you more just grateful that you, that you recognize and, and it had an impact?
1: It's definitely not a negative way. Absolutely not. No, the latter by far. Yeah, yeah. no, I am proud to have been part of something that has struck a chord with so many. Um yeah. It's not often that you get to do that. And once it's done, it's there for good. And yeah. And no, I get proud of the older I get, um, it was a little unnerving in the beginning, unnerving, maybe overwhelming is the better way of explaining that. Um, yeah. Cause he was a piece that was regarded you know, in a, in a, in a film that was regarded internationally by, you know, not just critics, but you know, filmmakers. colleagues yeah. and yeah. yeah, filmmakers and actors. And, and it was a slow burner in some parts, you know, um, particularly in North America and, people are sort of still coming to it and That's still have a pretty strong reaction to it. And yeah, um, it's pretty exciting. Like it does, it does definitely give you confidence walking into a room with people who look at you like they respect you and therefore it makes your job easier because uh, the nerves that I may have coming into a job where I would actually don't i have imposter syndrome where I think I don't deserve, deserve to be there or I'm afraid to yeah. be rubbing shoulders with certain actors and producers, directors, cinematographers, writers, whatever it is. And if someone mentions that or, 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 or kind of, you know, lets me know that they've seen it and they've appreciated it it, it, it gives me confidence to think that I deserve. Of course. One, to have a place around the table and two, to sort of lean into the thing that I, that I love doing. Um, and so that makes me braver. Um, That's cool.
0: I can, uh, like, all of a sudden, I was just thinking, like, hey, man, I was fucking John Bunting. Like, I can fucking, yeah. you know, <laughs> just give yourself a bit of a G give up. Give yourself like, a bit
1: G up. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, look, there's definitely some...
1: times, like, in the beginning, it was overwhelming because it was, a, like, the, the response was, if it was if it was positive, it was overwhelmingly positive And it was also overwhelmingly negative, which was great because it, 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 you know, I guess, I don't know if it's great, but it, it a thing where you go it was
0: fun or something.
1: Or just this, this, that he was a piece of film that documented a true event that had an adverse re- effect on its audience. Mm. Um, and so, you're not, I guess, that was quite overwhelming. And I, and I shied away from it for quite some time. I was afraid of it. I didn't know if I could live up to it. Um, I was kind of scared of it. It did, it, it kind of, I feared it a little bit, you know, people's expectations and, I wasn't as confident in my own skin as I am now back then and so I it it kind of um yeah I kind of wanted to hide from it in some shape or form um yeah and, I mean you know, I can people I can did have an expectation bit. not on those yeah. levels of course Talking. not on, on oh, well yeah, sure. not
0: on not on you know like movie star levels but
1: I think I mean I mean I I don't I'll let you know when I get
0: there and then we'll have that conversation when the band band actually sort of got out of Denmark in 2016 and you know some recognition and stuff started happening I was definitely I I totally relate to all those feelings of like you know I don't know if I can really deal with with um people knowing our music this much
1: (laughs) yeah And like
0: having to talk about it and 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 play to bigger crowds in the uk and you know it was a little yeah. bit to take in even though it was the stuff of my dreams it was like oh shit okay yes a- am yeah, i actually also like, can i handle
1: this <laughs> can i work the way of work to get where i am or get this performance or record out again in a way that you're asking me to because right particularly with that film i don't know how, how much you know or how much we've talked about it um how that film was made but it was you know the like 90% of the cast, the first time actors cast from the areas in which we shot. Mm. And so we had a pretty unorthodox approach to finding those performances in a way where it wasn't just here's the lines and have a rehearse or do the work at home and come to set. Like we worked from the ground up, um, familiarizing ourselves with each other and never really working on the actual script, but working in the big print. Um, If we did rehearse at all, but there was a lot of exercises that we did and a lot of time that we spent in each other's company to sort of build a camaraderie and trust and platform to then, you know, for Justin Kerzel, the director, to sort of take us to. And we buoyed each other throughout that process. Like we definitely used and lent on each other's um, personal uh, experience in life. Mm. Uh, and our camaraderie, and our and our and our little family that we created in the army that we we got together to make that film. Um, then you go into like a film. The next film I did, I was I was you know I was lost. I was so afraid. It was technical. It was like hit your mark, say your lines. This is the mm-hmm. musicality of what we're doing. It was a comedy. I felt so inept. Um And there was an expectation that yeah. I, I I just. You know, and some people leap at those expectations to be met. You know, that really drives them to be better. Whereas I, at that point, was a little afraid of it and um, shied away from it. So it took me a little, little, little while to get used to it. But mate, I embrace it every time someone recognises me. It's, you know, how often do you get to do a piece of work where someone recognises you from it? And, and sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was I was going to just
0: touch on because you were talking about a little bit the, um, yeah, the camaraderie and the sort of yeah, that bond you had with the other actors. And I mean, you can actually see in this very special film, you, you know, this. I can imagine that, you know, um, you had to go to other places with these people. And what I was going to yeah. ask was, you know, I can't really <laughs> fathom the mindset that you would have had to step into for, for a role like that. Um, but I seem to recall maybe in an interview that you um, you briefly describing, you know, what it was like to, to film this one specific disturbing scene. I think, you know, the one I'm talking about, Um uh, the and, torture scene. In the yeah, and the, and the, and the, and the, yeah. so, the seriousness of it sort of, I'm not sure this isn't a direct quote because it was a while back, but it sort of left you and the other actors in, in kind of pieces afterwards or, or yeah, you know, you know, you had to kind of break down in, in a way to sort of go to this. I think
1: Justin that. said at that point, I'll answer this in two. So, yeah, You know, when you're focused on something as you know, you forget you can forget quite easily the rest of the world exists. Mm. And you you lock in and we were all very locked in, focused on this one goal of of realizing, you know, Justin's film. Um and he was definitely our leader and we were definitely on his team and, and sort of following his lead. Um and so sometimes you don't realize the depth that you're going during that because you're so locked in. Um, And I have to say, and I know this might come as a shock to some people or to you, but to, and I don't, and it wasn't an intentional thing, but there was a lot of humor on set. And I don't mean that disrespectfully for the, the, for the people that we were telling whose stories we were telling or the people whose lives were lost. But in, in just out of the tension Mm -hmm. came these quite funny um, very human moments between the crew and the cast. Uh, mm. And so that released some tension at times. This I particular mean, scene yeah. that you're talking about, yeah. we, we we rehearsed because there were some stunts or some physicality involved. We rehearsed really lightly, very little, but mm. the day or two or the week on the weekend before we shot it. And we were shooting it and I think we went over time and we were given another day. And there was a break between the two days. We finished one day of shooting it and we went Justin looked at the cast who were involved in those, that particular scene and said, let's go to the pub. Wow. So we went down in the pub and, and I wasn't, I was so, you know, earnest and focused on and anxious to give a good job. I wasn't, I don't, I wasn't drinking mm. drinks on, you know, on a school night. So I wouldn't drink yeah, at all, but yeah, we, sure. we were all pretty pretty tired and exhausted and and shocked by what we had done that day. And so we, so I was like, all right, let's go for a beer. And we sat around there. He he just looked around. He said, I think you now realize the film that we're making up until Mm. this point, it'd be very interrelational. And yes, some serious, uh, very serious, awful, ugly things happen in those relationships, but it it still could be played in a, in a sense of family without but then we actually physicalized some of the horrific events. These, mm. these serial killers who are documented in this film did heinous things to the, to the people that they, that they, that they ended up killing heinous, heinous things. And we mm. enacted this one thing. And, um, yeah, and I, it it was, it was, it felt awful. It felt, it was like a gut punch. Um, and that beer was so needed, and and I remember we all went home after that, and I think I had a good cry, yeah, for the release. Imagine. And then the next day we came back and we finished it off, and you have what's in the film, but um, far out. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that scene was um that asked a lot of us physically, mentally, and emotionally.
0: Yeah, and. Yeah, well it's it's it is fascinating to get a bit of insight into that stuff especially the fact that there was humor and in a way I'm not surprised because you probably needed to break up the vibe slightly when it's something
1: so heavy um, and act and, I mean, like filmmaking is quite silly I mean like you know like you <laughs> play just, and you pretend just, yeah it's so silly at times yeah. you know and and you find yourself going you know and i I, I don't want to again be disrespectful to the art form or the subject no. matter but there is a scene where my character is, and it's it's not giving anything away. It's so bad as far as storyline, but there is a, my character is chopping up a kangaroo, mm. you know, in in one particular scene. You're like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm you look up and there's like ten kangaroos. There's blood on the ground. Not ten kangaroos. There's ten people watching. There's a couple of dead kangaroos, and like, I've got a blunt axe and I'm chopping up a kangaroo. And you're like, what the fuck oh is God. this? <laughs> What okay. are we doing? Do yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, shit, and it was my man. first feature film. And I thought yeah. all feature, all feature films were like, we're going to be this. And, you know, but, the, you know, like recently I worked on a Christmas comedy and I, I look up, I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, like there's a kid with a shotgun shooting clouds. <laughs> like my character's dressed up as a volunteer Santa lying through his teeth <laughs> to find, you know, buried treasure on this
0: farm like like what are we doing i know i know it's, it's it happens it's so with silly. TV, man. don't worry about it yeah i bet <laughs> Those little I mini bet. existential moments they're quite funny but um because yeah. there was a, yeah. a, a, there was an interview with ray lee otter who i heard of, yes I heard recently, and he just said and he's, i think he says like oh so why'd you get in acting he's like i'm really good at pretending <laughs> and then he, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah i'm just really good at making shit up and i was like oh cool i'm, right. yeah, I'm so
1: it. good at lying yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so
0: well just to move on a little bit i um, uh i remember you told me that uh you know obviously snowtown helped launch your career um but it also definitely somehow definitely landed like you work doors. with um uh the parasite director bong Joo ho uh, on Okja. Yes. Is that, is that yes. correct? Is that how you ended up?
1: That's, that's 100%. Mm-hmm. So, so again, the gift of this film, it continues to give, but it definitely gave that day. so so Snowtown played at critics week at Cannes and it was Justin's debut feature. And there was an award at Cannes, award at Cannes um, for a first, first time feature maker. And Bong was on the jury. He was the head of the jury director bong was the head of the jury of the first time filmmaker award
0: wow okay Um, so he was already a big wig by then uh so yeah
1: i mean he he was a can favorite he played i think mother had played at director's Fortnite. um and you know he was definitely one to watch and at that point what was it 2011 so the host
0: is the main one i know but yeah
1: the host, yeah, the host was his third film. The second film, okay. Memories of a Murder, is probably his most recognisable film. If you're in, if you're into film, but the film sure. that gets his most notoriety now is because of the Oscars and all that, and because it's a brilliant piece of cinema, um, mm. is, is is Parasite, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, so he was the head of the jury of, of the Camera d'Or, which is the first the debut feature filmmaking award, and um, he was at the debut screening. And me with my lack of so ignorant and so, I didn't, you know, I was like a kid in a candy shop, not really knowing who was who or what was what, but I was just happy to be there. Yeah. Like old mate down the RSL, you're winning, mate? You're winning? <laughs> I was like, I was that guy. I had, like, I was so just like, what is happening? Who is this? Who are these people? You know? Hey, just, Leo
0: DiCaprio, you winning, man? Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you winning, mate. You're winning. Oh, is that Mr. Brad? Hey, Brad, what's good? Yeah, yeah. you winning, mate? <laughs> I'm definitely winning. Look at me. Just ask me. Yeah, I've got yeah. my hand up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, That's anyway, great. so we, he, he came up to me. Uh, we, and he speaks beautiful English, but he's he often travels with a translator, and the translator mm. said, "Director Bond would like to give you his card. He can't say much to you because you're part of the competition for him, but he just wants to say thank you." Wow! And I didn't know who he was. Okay, like total, okay. Total douchey, kind of you know. Fair yeah, enough. just happy to be yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I went, and and this is a nice like I went back so. I went back to wherever we, I think Screen Australia had a a and up at their suite, you know, cause everybody's got a suite mate. They're sure. all flogging off their next 10 <laughs> projects to whoever's interested in. Yeah. Anyway, happy to be there, man. He was just rocking up to whatever I was invited to, you know? Um, and yeah, Jenny Kent, Jen Kent was there who directed and wrote the Babadook and the Nightingale. And she was selling that, Selling the Babadook with her producer to an international sales agent so they could get funding for it back home. Wow. And she okay. said, I heard you met one of them, and, and she taught me a drama school, right? She taught me one class. How oh, far school. out? She taught me um this amazing, taught it's us. The, world, worlds the, the of classing here. Okay. Anyway, she said, I heard you met one of my sort of like, you know, famous, fa- favorite directors. And I was like, hmm. Who's that? <laughs> and she's like, you met, you met Director Bong? I was like, Oh, who is that? She's like, you idiot, and she just gave me a list of his films. And she said, go fucking watch all these films, and I did. And I was like, oh shit. Anyway, he showed interest and said, I'd like to put you in my next film. At that time, I think it was Octa. Okay. But he, but Snowpiercer got made, but prior. So when yeah, Snowpiercer okay. came and went, I was like, oh.
0: The ship sailed. You know. Yeah.
1: The ship sailed and that yeah. was just nice. And, you know, anyway, then a few years later, he um He, he actually reached contacted out and, you. Isn't
0: that great? Like,
1: And I don't know what he, he saw in Snowtown to think. No, he didn't. And I don't know what he saw in Snowtown to see in the character that he cast me in, Bo- in October because they, they're worlds apart. But I think he just, it was cute because I'd lost a bit of weight in between those years. And he's <laughs> like, when he met me, he was like, do you think you could get fat again? Because I saw you fat. And I was like, oh, yeah. Is that the only thing you cast me as? Because you liked Snowtown yeah, yeah. and I was fat. You're like, I want a fat guy in the film <laughs> with this intensity. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, and and, and I know, and I shouldn't. Yeah. Anyway, so I put on a bit of weight for him, and that was <laughs> um,
0: And so, I mean, was that sort of the first real kind of you know um, experience working with these kind of A-list uh, actors? And I mean. What was that, what was that like? like a, what was the experience of, of, of Okja like for you?
1: Okja was great. I had a little, I was lucky in that I had like, um, I don't know, man. Like I, I did four years on a television show in Virginia for AMC and Jamie Bell yeah. was the lead actor. Okay. And we had a couple of other actors that were,
0: that was turn, you know, had worked with,
1: it? that was turn. Yeah. yeah. And so working with him and working on a, a much bigger production value budget type show film was great experience. Yeah, uh, to get me to the place of feeling confident, and and just before October, I was in uh, Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson, and we had these scenes together, and that also gave me great confidence, knowing that I mean I that's it, huge. Yeah, go toe to toe with her in these very small scenes, but again, toe to toe is probably over, overstating it. But I, uh, I, you know, it was just very exciting, and I and I felt very confident after that, and then to go and land in career and. Paul Dano to, He's like, I you learned through the one of the assistant directors that Paul Dano's asking for your number so he can connect with you. And you're like, oh, this is gonna be great. That's the kind of guy he is. He wants to get to know his, you know, people before he gets on 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 set with them. And then yeah. Devin Bostick and Stephen Yeun and Lily Collins.
0: But yeah, working okay. with
1: Bong was like just just amazing. Being in career and working on the opposite of the world with a a very different style of crew and, and uh, just culturally a very different way of working. I mean, Mm. cinematically, culturally, like, you know, you work in the UK, not that I have, I hear it's quite different. You work in Korea, it's quite different to Japan. It is, it's different in America, it's different in Australia. So, you know, each, each country has its own, like that, that film went from South Korea to New York to Vancouver. And I am experiencing how all the different crews, even in America, like the crews in the East Coast as opposed to the West Coast, are very different.
0: Isn't that um, funny? Because that was actually a question I had for you about. Uh, well, I was going to base it on yeah, working on Turn, um, the the Washington Spies show where you played Caleb Brewster. But, um, Caleb Brewster. Yeah, I was going to ask you like, do, does the tone feel different on set as as opposed to? You know, in Australia and Amer- versus American
1: hundred percent
0: crews, and there you go. You were just saying that about. Uh, I mean, I can imagine South Korea would have been a whole other thing again. You know,
1: yeah. I mean, and then you put the language barrier on top of that, and right, in just a bit different, different, just different ways of working. But outside of that, yeah, just 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 there's a different energy and a different way of working. And it's again, it's like I was saying before, you Adapting. you're learning adapting you're learning mm. and it's like the last thing that you do is the work but once you become confident in that pretty much any set in the world there are going to be similarities and you just have to allow it to happen in front of you and focus on what you can do which is hit your mark and say your words yep do that as do best as you work. can
0: yeah i don't not to crap on too much about um um bong and octa but i just wanted to ask Bong's you like, when you were working with them like did did you and this might be a bit of a silly question because I'm not sure if you can sort of measure things in this way when it comes to like making art, but like did you did you sort of believe or feel like this potential like hey this guy's like an Oscar winner in the like this guy's gonna be he's a
1: beast. Let me tell you something about more. okay so like Octo came out at a uh, premiere well premiered at Cannes an official competition in 2017. Mm. Okay. 18 months later, 18 months later he was. He was on a big promotional tour for his next feature, which is Parasite. That's okay. how much of a beast the man is. Okay. 18 months. So he was, and those sets were, Just a lot of those sets course. were built for Parasite. Yeah. yeah, but he's so meticulous and planned mm. out and um, he honors his voice and trusts it and backs it so much so that, you know, it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of um, uh, nouse and sort of, uh, Hospa, Hotspur to to sort of back yourself enough even against powerhouses like some Hollywood production companies or producers to really push your vision and, and I guess the people that he now can work with and has been able to work with over the last decade he's been able to, for them to know that if they're going to get him on board they have to let the man go Yeah, um, without trying to rein him in too much there's not too many filmmakers like that but you did get a sense that I mean, he, like, you knew it was going to be special. Like, I mean, I, the script was great, but I would have questioned if it, if it wasn't a different filmmaker, if it was a different filmmaker.
0: Okay. Interesting. That's interesting. So,
1: like, like it's a wacky, it's a wacky world. Like where, I don't know how he's genre bended that film in the way that he has, that he makes it so accessible, but yet so zany and so heightened, but so real and and yeah. heartbreaking and... I mean, we're talking about a CGI massive, like pig. super g- pig. You know, genetically made yeah. super pig that I you know. end up falling for. I know. Um, with and then I was like, I'm going to go veggie. I was,
0: I was, yeah. I, I was a hundred. I didn't yeah. do it because I'm weak and yeah. I'm <laughs> pathetic. But that I think I remember calling Bring Emily out, yeah. and I said, I'll never eat bacon again. You know, and then yeah, three days later I was smashing like a Somebody, pork yeah. Vietnamese thing and you know pork knuckle. Just, yeah. Oh yeah, I was just gone. But um, it's that's just me um, being a yeah, piece yeah. of shit. But, um, <laughs> but I, it had me. Like I was like, yeah, I was super moved. And I think you're right. That kind of hyper reality sort of, he's just, he's and it was the same in the host because it was sort of hammy oh. and like, what the hell is this monster? Oh. But then it, like you totally buy in and I encourage there's something super moving about it. Yeah. I got to check. I got to check out his other films
1: um, Mother's great too. Mother's fantastic. I love Mother, especially that the end sequence, but yeah and you know parasite again he's mashed all these yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Genres stereotypes over the place. Yeah. and
1: genres and it's so uniquely his mm. his no, vision cool. and his you know look the guy has the, he's ridiculous I've never worked with anyone like this, so he gave us almost a entire book a comic book of um what do you call it when you you, you, you do the pictures of the film? No, storyboards. Storyboards, was, storyboards yeah. You know, storyboards. And like literally every frame of the film is in that book. So he's already wow. edited it. He doesn't wow. shoot any fat. How good's that? You know. That must and be so shoots, nice
0: to have that level of control though as well. Because then you just like the, it, yeah. the vision is so complete. It's, it's so, like I know it exactly is complete. what I want to make
1: a, here. It's, it's hard to get on board in the beginning because you don't mm. necessarily feel as though you've got much um, – you haven't, you know, you don't have much, oh, what's the word, um, agency over what you're meant to do and not meant to do. Yeah. But once you figure out that you don't need it and you can turn up to work, he trusts you that much. He's cast you that you can do whatever you want within, you know, the movement that he's requiring you to do throughout the frame. Cause every frame is a, you know, like a, it's a, it's a painting for him. Yeah. And that he's thought about it for years. And that if you, you can do whatever you want, as long as you hit the marks that he's asking you to mm. Then you realize you have so much agency. But in, in the beginning, it was a little tricky. It was a little mm. tricky because you, you almost feel like a chess piece. Sure. Does that make sense? And yeah, I don't yeah. mean that disrespectfully, it's just a different way of approach that maybe some Western actors aren't necessarily used to. Because I, I yeah, um, yeah, you could see him working beautifully with his regular. Yeah. Um, cast of excellent actors that he worked with once or twice before yeah uh, south korean actors who were just yeah. brilliant and understood what was required of them in what he was asking them to do and i think maybe it took me and a couple of the others a little while longer to sort of feel like we were actually giving something of our own rather than just repeating and copying what was asked sure but um i yeah mate it dropped i would yeah. drop everything in a, in a heartbeat <laughs> if he said i'd like you to come back Oh, I'd be, I'd be, I don't blame walk you. Walk through yeah. frame. I just walk through frame.
0: I wanted to talk about a little bit about um, acute misfortune. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So oh, mate. I'm very Adam touched Cullen. that you,
1: um that you're into it. It's, um, I'm
0: really into it. I think, um, well, it's a, it's a fascinating story for one thing. Yeah. And yeah. he's a, a, a super intriguing artist. He's an Australian artist called Adam Cullen, um, who. He won the. What's the name of the prize again? Do you remember? The Archibald, Archibald Prize. The Archibald at, at a pretty yeah. young age. Archibald.
1: Um, we all call it the Archie. That's what we always get. Right. Typical Australian, kind sort of just making it the and he won the, the Archie, Archie mate. He won the bloody Archie. But it's Donation's a very prestigious portrait award. prize. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, he won the Archie, mate. He just wins fucking <laughs> <Like I'm> winning. <laughs>
0: have a BB <laughs> to celebrate.
1: Have a BB,
0: mate. Um, so this is sort of a a, a bio of. Uh, about him uh, Acute Misfortune
1: Him and the journalist That wrote the book Yes of course. Like it's It's a who's, it's a dual, bi- dual biopic Right Yeah Almost. Who's equally as
0: brilliant Like what a young He's just yeah. this a Young writer He's super I think he's A teenager When he first crossed paths With um, Adam Cullen He's 18 or
1: 19 When yeah. he kind of comes across Adam And Over a four year period It's a It's an
0: intense movie And it's a, It's also a good piece Of Australiana In a way um, Yeah But I wanted yeah. to ask Like you know obviously these sorts of characters these are sort of manipulative psychos um yes. do, they, do they sort of do they feel natural <laughs> for you or i want to ask this in a like sensitive a way because <laughs> I, I seem to remember you once saying to me something along the lines of like um look i don't care about being typecast i just i just want to work i'm grateful for the work and i want to work yeah do you, do it's you great to be typecast. By that? i think it is great. Yeah, I character.
1: mean, it is great because you're known for something, and people go to you, and it's your job to pick whether you can find something new in that, or a different angle, or maybe surprise mm. uh, the people you're about to work with, intentions, or um, observations, or interpretations of that character. Um, however, I don't slip into it that easily. I think the thing that I that I, if given the opportunity that I have been, and if I if given again. There is something that I delight in trying to find empathy and um, empathy to um, um, to that person's story, that character's story, to find where that person may have gone wrong or what happened to that person to lead them to where they are today, and um, hopefully be able to. To, to shine some humanity on that person's experience. And hopefully that then translates into um, whoever watches the film, the audience, maybe they can ask a question of, not just seeing that person two-dimensionally and saying, oh, that's just a bad person who does bad things, that there are good people out there that make bad decisions and bad people who make good decisions. and um
0: I think you pull that off. I mean, obviously. Thanks, mate. Yeah, because it's you know these um these sorts of characters maybe I mean John Bunting's another level, but uh, you know someone like Adam Cullen where you actually in the film you meet his quirky quirky as fuck parents. Um and yes. you know he's clearly a product of 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 a, of a strange um family dynamic. Um Yeah, and and, in, and in very, one way, you know.
1: Australian setting too. If you if you True. delve deeper into his upbringing, I mean it's um, the Blue
0: Mountains. Uh, well, I'm not sure where he was raised, but he, he was up raised up
1: in, the, in uh, the Northern Beaches. But he ends up with, sure, yeah, and creates this like made up persona of the Bushman and
0: right. But I mean, what I was trying to get at was that you actually you you know yes, you're very good at uh, showing someone that is also just vulnerable rather than straight out evil you know there's someone that have that is a human as well and you know yeah
1: and 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 from that trauma it manifests in many ways like i think with adam it manifested in that it manifested in drug abuse and alcohol abuse and a need to be acknowledged and to rebel against an institution and do it and find an avenue which he did through art to be able to do that and then draw attention to himself and the love that he couldn't give to himself or whatever. Mm. And, you know, that's a pretty base, maybe obvious line in, but it definitely, you know, you could definitely, it's a great start and then you can go further and further into that Mm. finding. Like I've just got, I think when you're given a character who makes bad decisions, says bad things, whether that be racism or sexism or, uh, mental and emotional abuse upon another person manipulation to get what that person needs. I think the first question I ask is why is that person doing that? And if I can answer that, I can find, then I, it doesn't, when I've justified it, it doesn't make that much. It makes a lot more sense for them in the way that that manifests for them. Mm -hmm. And an audience just sees like the, the, the behavior, which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, but but hopefully within that they can see some sense of vulnerability or hundred percent illness or uh, yeah. you know uh, or something to like a reason,
0: yeah,
1: a reason and and, and yeah. potentially maybe in a in a broader picture, go this is this is emblematic of where we are as a society. If these people mm-hmm. exist, and how do you how do you heal that part so that we can as greater society how we can move forward? Yeah.
0: Well, I think this film. Definitely uh, conjures those thoughts, bro. I to, hate to
1: do this to you, but I think Stasis Waters just broke.
0: You're kidding me.
1: <laughs> I think so. I you got to so. go, me, man. It, you got to go. Well, give me one second. Give me one second. <laughs> Let me just double check. Dan's wife is heavily pregnant. He's, she's nine and a half months pregnant. She was due yesterday. You, or, you better go day before. On, hey, give, give, me know, give me one second. Give me one second. Give me one second.
0: It's crazy. Three days ago. I mean, we chatted in the morning, 27th, and here we are on the 30th, and, and your whole world's changed. It's so cool, oh, man. Brother. I'm so happy for you both. Thank you, brother.
1: And I'm a of bear.
0: It's pretty wild. Um, yeah, man. But there were a couple of things that I wanted to just sort of zoom in on, yeah, to sort of finish off, because yeah. I was really glad. It was almost fitting that we started our chat by talking about Francis McDormand and and techniques and things like this, because yep. I forgot to tell you, actually, uh, I have a snippet of her from three billboards as the intro yeah. to the podcast. Like as the, oh, you know, cool. yeah. Oh, no so it was way. kind of meant to be that we were talking about her. Um, but one of, the things that, one of the things that I've always wanted to know about acting, is it like a guitarist watches like a guitar hero? Like, do you look at, do other actors watch other actors in that way? 100 percent.
1: yes you do have you you there are those that you look towards and um admire and respect and long to even get to a some level that they're at you know that they 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 feed your craft and they feed your passion and they feed your inspiration and you can only hope to get to something. And the more, and I'm sure this is the same with you, mate, as you go along, and it must be the same with songwriting or just guitar playing, or for any musician or artist, the more you do it, the more you understand how your craft works and how you get to a certain point. And along the way, you see that in other people's works and that, or that they've, you know, worked a different avenue and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. I want to, I want to, you know thumb down so to speak on that and 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 investigate and that that piques my curiosity and i'll I'll borrow what i feel based on what i've seen or heard or felt on what this particular artist has given and it may not just be an actor it might be a musician it might be a visual artist it could be Mm -hmm. a a choreographer or a dancer or even you know an architect or um a landscape artist not to get to you're wanky right. about it, but you, you do, you do pick up on little, little, little nuances. I mean, there are a plethora of actors and performances, maybe not actors, but performances. Or if you, if, if you, if you, you, zone in on one actor and you watch how they progress. Um, if, if it's an actor you haven't come across and they're quite, you know, they've got a quite a, quite, quite a few years under their belt that you get to, to 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 have the privilege of going back and just seeing how that's progressed yeah like i love watching it, 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 this kind of was born out of this thing that you're talking about for me it was born out of watching a sitcom uh a, 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 and watching it as it was when i first experienced it well-oiled fully understood fully developed characters fully realized expressing themselves within the context of that particular genre and then okay. someone watching reruns of very early work, and the characters are miles apart yeah, yeah, you know they you can see the the actor like stretching and and pushing and figuring out what works and what doesn't, and the writers are gelling with that particular um journey of that character or that actor and and to see how they progress to where they got um, and to be able to do that with some actors. Uh, careers is is also something that I you, you can, you you know, um, akin to your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That's interesting. That's the only the it. only uh, sort of sitcom that I've probably followed all the way through ever was probably Seinfeld. Well, um, that's
1: what I was thinking about. Like you look yeah. at someone like Kramer's character is developed probably the most yeah. from when you first meet that's Michael true. Richards' um, interpretation to what we end with Michael Richards' interpretation. Mm, um, yeah. You know, and then, and then you, and then having experienced that on something like turn, you know, when you, 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 I, I can watch that back and sort of see where I was at and what I was doing and, you know, how easy it is to fall into certain uh, complacencies, if that's a mm, word, yeah. you know, and then to like push further and delve deeper into certain things when given the material to do so and how easy that may come rather because I'm so comfortable and, confident, yeah. um, not to say that that work is anything of merit, but definitely applying the, the trade and learning um, as I went. And, and uh, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. I learned so much about not only the craft, but how to be a professional. And to, as we were talking about the other day, like there are so many variables that go into to performing every day. And um, some days you, you're having a shit day at the office and you have to rely on every, every tool that you have in your bag there. And definitely,
0: um, cause it yeah. was, it was cool. You were saying earlier about other art forms sort of informing your, your work yes, because sure. that's, that's also sort of why I'm doing this, you know, because I wanted to yes. do something else besides write songs. And yep. I wanted to talk about one of the main other, yeah, art forms or, or just a, a, a line of inspiration that actually plays a huge role in our, in our music. So that's why I sort yeah. of you know wanted to do this. Well one of the other things um that I wanted to ask you is and and actually your character Adam Cullen in Acute Misfortune, he says some pretty cool stuff. Like he says things like art art is pain relief. <laughs> it's art is pain relief, something that helps us feel a little more comfortable while everything dies around us. <laughs> yeah. Um I wanted to <laughs> ask you do you ever have moments of wanting to chuck it all in? And when you, if you do, how do for you sure. deal with that? Uh, how do you deal with doubt as an artist? Because it's something that I
1: deal with for sure. And it evolves and changes and at different stages of one's journey or career or path that, you know, early on, it was different to how it is now, but, um, I definitely have doubt and I definitely wanted to throw it in and I've definitely looked up university courses um, to, to sort of maybe inspire myself to re-engage with what I'm doing or to give me an outlet from the insecurity and fear and um, lack of worth that I feel. Cause you know, what we do is based on someone else's opinion most of the time, particularly totally. for, for, and I don't want to say that we're, insecurity is rife within the art because you know, you're only worth with worth what someone's going to pay to listen or hear or watch you yeah. sometimes if you want to be, I don't know, maybe that's not true either, but it definitely feels like that sometimes. And with acting, you know, if you're not producing, directing, writing what you're doing, the only, you don't have a great deal of agency if you're not like an A lister and that's 0.5%. And even those those people, I'm sure they have, you know, don't have as much power as they may seem, mm. or choice or freedom. And and the insecurities are exactly the same. It's just on a different level. Yeah. But for me, in my experience, yeah, man, like we got to New York proper um, in 2018, 17, 18, and were, and I was coming back and forth from Australia taking jobs. Here and living there in New York, and then 2018, 19, we sort of decided not to do that, so we could full, we spend a full 12 months committing to exploring our opportunities in that city because you got to be on the ground there, and there mm. are so many great artists in that city that have been there for much longer than you have that been playing the, the trade brilliantly, slowly creeping up that line into those casting rooms and getting the jobs, and yeah, it's it's quite maybe precocious or ignorant of me to think that the runs on the board and the luck that I'd had and the work that I'd had would push me up that line. Anyway, so we committed to being there for a year and I have to say it was pretty silent. Mm. And, um, and I, and I was being less precious about what, what, what I would or wouldn't audition for and the feedback, if you got feedback and this is you doing an audition with your, with your partner or a friend in your own back room, um, so it's pretty isolated and you're sending this thing off into the ether along with the thousands of others going to the work, feeling exactly the same as you with more or less experience than you with just as much talent, if not more and not getting any, anything. And, um, if you were lucky, you get something and, and you know, you weren't right for the job and it's always, a, yeah, whatever it is yeah, that, that does, The feedback isn't positive, right? Because you're basing your own experience on someone else's worth of what you're presenting, regardless if it's good work or not. You haven't got the job. That's the end. Totally. End line there, right? So you don't have the job. So that's pretty fucking depressing. Yeah. If if you're in a new city, you know, particularly because you're in a new city and you don't have the familiarity of falling back on friends and community and whatever. When we've got great community there, but you know, it's not, it's not what we have in Australia, right? Cause that's where we were, we were bred and born. So you are kind of creating a new, and it feels a bit dislocated. Mm. So midway through last year, I was definitely feeling at a point where I was um, considering changing um, direction um, and had serious conversations with, with my partner, Stace, your mate, Stace. Um, and, you know, about how that could eventuate like would that mean going back home in a couple of years? Cause she was on a red hot run and going great. And, and, uh, stays for anyone listening is, 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 is my wife and, and Carlos mate. She's also a costume designer and she was doing quite well having worked her backside off to get to a point where she was now being offered some pretty spectacular jobs. And, um, and I was saying, well, look, you know, Maybe I can do a university course in social work or maybe I could do it in anthropology or something to do with the human sciences and people and maybe you we can, could make do <laughs> maybe can make a podcast. Maybe go make a podcast. You know, and and just because I wasn't I was expending so much of my energy and and self identity based on someone's response that I had no agency over. And I got to a point in about August last year and I did have a job and it was a lifesaver and it was this small job for me. It was a big job, but it was a small job. I had a small partner and it gave me so much fire and juice. And it was about that time I I met this director and started creating this character with him to then eventually eventually shoot at the end of the year with him on a independent film. Again, it wasn't a large role, but it was so gratifying and sustaining but it just, it it just got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm not going to allow myself to buy into the negativity that comes from the, the, this, this process of trying to get work. Yeah. I'm going to empower myself in choosing when and how I do my work for other people in an audition, um, setting. Um, and what I mean is that, yes, I'm going to do as many auditions as I can, but I'm going to do this for me and not for you. And it really helped me turn a corner and also helped me re-engage with what I was doing, why I was doing it and what I loved about it. Mm. And it gave me a sense of self and it gave me a sense of power and um, the doubts and the fear I had were still there, but they were definitely coming at me in a different more positive way or a way yeah, that I can yeah, yeah. have a more healthy conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I've felt that probably in a 14, 15 years I've been doing this professionally since drama school, I've, I've probably felt that, oh, maybe five times at different points. and Yeah. Like yeah. Real one.
0: yeah I, I, I can relate to that. Um, well that's, that's really inspiring that you could sort of, uh, flick a switch within yourself um and it took um, a while and took
1: a very supportive partner and um yeah a very patient one and
0: oh man uh, i hear you on that yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh uh, that's really cool and yeah i mean well uh, i i'm making a podcast about movies so (laughs) (laughs) i should probably i should probably go to therapy but i made a podcast instead
1: (laughs) it is therapy mate it is man it is Talking um, to people about shit that means, you know, something to you is, is therapy. That's
0: beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um, well, I'm really glad that we we touched on some of that stuff because I think it's, you know, it's the real shit when it comes to being like a freelance artist. And there's so many uh, hurdles as well being a musician that, you know, the parallels there with, with yeah. whether it's, you know, auditions, not getting the role, you know, there's so many parallels there for us whether whether it's you don't get that festival gig or you get a shit review or you know no one comes to the gig whatever it is yeah you you have these little battles and struggles and you yeah
1: uh yeah little little
0: closed doors (laughs) that you just want to like kick down um and sometimes they pile up
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah sometimes they pile up and other times you you have this you know a larger amount of strength in you to sort of kick them down and keep going and um, yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's part of the fight, I guess, the struggle of being a, a, an artist. <laughs> now I'm being a dad. Like, what do you um, uh, what do you expect now? Like, do you have any kind of um? I I mean, I, I guess you're just on cloud nine now, but that kind yeah, of balance, I'm in a work life. Well, you know what? Just stay in that for a while, and um, you know, I, I was gonna so. juggling the work life and parenthood. I can, it'll be
1: interesting. Cause yeah. like, you know, that's the thing, you know, like one of the things that we don't have in this life is a nine to five job and that has its blessings and its curses. And, um, it, it, there will be times where there'll be weeks away from baby yeah, and that'll be, you know, you sacrifice the time with your family, the regular consistent time and, or you're picking up stumps and moving to the next, next joint. And that brings so much joy and, meeting new people in a new community in a new place that you may or never have gone before or mm. have, ever tried to meet before, but because of your job, you get to go there and really immerse yourself in that. And that's beautiful. On the on the other hand is that, you know, you're living out of a suitcase for the third, you know, fourth or fifth time that year and you're away from your loved ones. Look, I don't know, man, like it's nah. tough. Cause you know, we're, we're, we're here now in Oz and Bubba chose to be born here and not New York and um then there's that whole pandemic thing yeah there's that that thing (laughs) still hanging hanging around and yeah i don't know it right now you ask me the question the honest answer is like i never want to leave Coburg because yeah my baby lives (laughs) i can relate to that
0: and those feelings just only get stronger you know you're kind of uh tether to, yeah. to home becomes even stronger once they show up. Um, but yeah. I can say from experience that you know there are challenges with with, with yeah, uh, talk to me uh, juggling yeah. Um, yeah. you know this life as, a, as a, an actor or a musician with mm-hmm. juggling that with parenthood but but it gets mm-hmm. easy well I can say that it gets easier they get they grow up a bit and mm-hmm. uh, you find ways to continue to mm-hmm. work and be a good parent enjoy <laughs> mm. your fucking best great
1: <laughs> that's good that's really
0: <laughs> i don't know man i mean thanks for coming on the first episode of uh i love it
1: thanks <laughs> for inviting me it's an buddy. absolute honor <laughs> i'm
0: hoping to get an your absolute honor bro friend pilu aspect at some point but you never know oh I'm gonna, yeah i'm gonna Let's annoy the shit out of his agent oh So there you have it. Halfway through the interview, he became a dad. And that's pretty special. Um, And now it's forever documented on Keep Streaming Buddy. And it was so nice to talk to Dan. He's such a, a great person and a super talented actor. So I implore you to check out all of his films. And now here's today's shitty movie fact. It's time for today's shitty movie fact. Yeah, so the first ever shitty movie fact is Keanu Reeves was born in Lebanon. I found this out because my nephew, my 10-year-old nephew, overheard my sisters discussing Keanu Reeves. And from the other room they heard, oh, you mean that Lebanese guy? Isn't that fucking funny? Like, I didn't know that. Yeah, anyway, I think it's really funny. All right. Please tune in to the next episode of Keep Stream Buddy. And thanks for listening.